This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. We will heal our hips, turn pain to love, and step into our power. It also can heal broken hearts, breathe life where there was none, open doors where there were only stone walls, and create a sacred space for the transformations we encounter on life's journey. Picture this. Marcy Darling, Holly Golightly, and Zelda Fitzgerald stumble into Aunt Mamie's bedroom, cocktails in hand for an evening of dish and swish about their recent breakups. After a bit of tomfoolery, Divorce Diva is born, a non-fiction book about one woman's journey from broken-hearted bubby to sassy babe. Valeria Telles interviews Marcy Darling, the author of Divorce Diva, Navigating Grief and Loss with Hope, Humor, and Chutzpah. Marcy Darling is a sassy, irreverent writer whose previous careers include belly dancer, showgirl, circus acrobat, burlesque dancer, and preschool teacher. She is the author of Divorce Diva, Navigating Our Grief and Loss with Hope, Humor, and Chutzpah, and two mystery novels, Martini Mystery and The Champagne Scandal. Her new book, Darling Adventures, Travel Stories by Marcy Darling, will be released in March 2021. She has a master's from Harvard, a BA from UCLA, and a certificate in novel writing from Stanford. She is also the creator of the Diva Writing Workshop and mom to two teenagers. Meet Marcy at marcydarling.com. Here's the interview with Marcy Darling. In your own words, who is Marcy Darling? I am a mom, which to me stands for monarch of merriment. But I also have two teenagers who are amazing and completely delight me. I also am a writer, a belly dancer. Um, I did burlesque for years. I um, have multiple degrees. I have writing degrees from Harvard, UCLA, Stanford. And I was a professional belly dancer for over a decade. And um, I mean, oh, so I'm mean, 51, so I have a lot to say about who I am. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. <laughs> but if we're going to get right down to the heart of it, I am a firm believer in love, light, and laughter and magic. I have these warm up questions for you, as I mentioned off record. The first one is about 2020. Um, what insights have you gained from the events in 2020? Well, I learned that I actually love being a hermit, which I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, for me, it was coming on the heels of three years of really deep grief and trauma. I lost my father. I lost my marriage. I lost my best friend. 
And just as I felt like I was getting my head out from the swamp of grief, uh, COVID hit. And I have to say that I have so cherished this time with my children. I have them home, you know, a lot more. I never thought I'd get this time with them again. So to me, the gifts have been amazing. Aside from obviously, you know, I know other people are in pain and are suffering and sick and my heart goes out to them. But for me personally, it has been a really, really amazing gift to get this time with my kids. It resonates true to me. Um, I hear that a lot, that we had the opportunity to come together, to be closer to the people we love. Some of us, perhaps not all of us. Yeah, and I feel like it really helped to shed um, a lot of exterior things that don't matter. Right. You know, I love shopping. I love parties. I love gowns. I love sparkles. I love <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. I haven't been able to do any of it. And it's right. been okay. Like I've had to turn into my soul and write and dance and create new things. And I always tell the kids, it's like adapt or die. We can complain <laughs> or we can move forward, you know, with what we have right now. And it's, I just feel like a lot of the, the external things have been shed and, you know, life has slowed down in a really beautiful way. When you say soul, what do you mean by that? What is your idea of spirituality, Marcy? What is to be spiritual? My idea of soul is, you know, what is at my core? What is eternal, boundless, timeless? It's what I feel when I'm dancing and writing and creating, really. So with all the trauma and tragedy I went through, my only thing I could do was create because there was so much destruction going on all around me. And I felt like the only way to counteract it was to create in joy, love, abundance, generosity. I'm really going to focus on those words. And I, and that was my soul work, was anything that really makes you feel empowered, I think, is soul. You say you wrote in one of your blog posts that you sent to me, I am barefoot and beautiful just as I am. I love that phrase, especially beautiful just as I am. And barefoot has to do with nature. So yes, <laughs> I love that too. What is self-love to you? And also, what is your own definition of beauty? My own definition of beauty is, I guess, someone who's empowered. I have seen many people who would not be considered maybe physically beautiful, but they, the way they walk, the way they look at me, at their eyes, they're performing on stage, whatever they're, I just, I'm just so amazed by how people transform when they are empowered, which for me comes from dancing and writing and creating um, and just following what my joy and my light is. Um, and as far as barefoot and beautiful, it was a revelatory concept to me. Um, when I was 23, I remember I went to the woods and I was reading Walt Whitman and I read, I am sufficient as I am. And I'm like, and I just thought, is that, could you really think that? <laughs> like, yeah. I've grown up in this family of like everyone always trying to lose weight and everyone right. trying to like look cuter and prettier. And it was all about pretty, 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 not my family, but our culture. Yeah. And I just thought, well, that's a really cool concept. I'm going to take that in as my truth. And it's been a very interesting journey, you know, because after I had my son, my body was completely destroyed, <laughs> although he's well worth it. I wouldn't <laughs> trade a thing, but it, you know, I've just had a really hard time keeping my body in a way that I really love it. But I've, I've just had to transcend all that and love myself the way I am. And then ironically, after I came to this place of body positivity, I have severe arthritis in my hips and I belly dance a lot to heal them. Um, but now I was told if I try and lose 10 or 15 pounds, which I've been trying to fight all this time is not 
<laughs> buying into our diet culture. <laughs> right, uh, right. It might help with my pain. So I'm like, oh, here I am. But here's an interesting spin on it, though, is um, I'm thinking of it as like joyful hip weight or magical hip mm-hmm. weight instead of thinking of it as, oh, God, I've got to lose weight. I've got to stop eating. This is miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of it as, nope, I'm going to move more and breathe more and dance more and focusing on that. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? To love. <laughs> yes. Love, love, love. <laughs> <laughs> to love and to be empowered and to do whatever inner work we need to do to be at our optimal potential. So, because when we are at our optimal potential, we, uh, everyone rises around us and we're able to shine a light for other people. And I think um, so many of us are plagued by self doubt and the shadow self. And these little voices telling us that, you know, why are you bothering? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody cares. Just like stay quiet, go back to bed and put the covers over your head. <laughs> no. So for me, I have been working really hard on stepping into being bold and fearless and just putting it out there, being in the ring. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But it's not going to be because I didn't swing for the fences. When you say optimal potential, what do you mean exactly by that, Marcy? And when do we know when we are there, if it is a destination, of course? I feel like, so to me, optimal potential is similar to Dharma. You are in this place where you just feel joyful. You are awake. You are alive. You wake up in the morning and you are really exuberant about the work and the life that you are living and what you are doing. So for me, I you know, was married for 20 years. The divorce really, really, really was hard on me. Um, I never thought I'd be divorced. And I mean, so many people get divorced and you think, oh, whatever. Okay. (laughs) Until I went through it and I'm like, holy Christmas. (laughs) I mean, eating it does on you is just, so I, what I started to realize is, okay, so what if all this happened? And instead of just keeping on doing things the way I was, I do things differently. I try and step into my power by really doing the work and I uh what if I'm capable of more than I know and so that's what I've really stuck to and the the question is always well what is the work how do you do the work to get there and that changes right Marcy from person to person it's very unique it does it does I mean I know what's been working for me and what has really been helping me rise and I'll be asking you those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Belly dance, which I love, and yeah, writing. So another question for you is about happiness. What are some of the greatest misconceptions about happiness from your perspective? Um, misconceptions about happiness. I think that maybe that happiness is momentary pleasure, although I do love momentary pleasure. Yeah. And But I think without a deeply rooted joyful existence, that momentary pleasure is not going to go very far. Right. I wrote a blog called I went looking for happiness and I found it in the shoe department at Bergdorf. (laughs) 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 I mean, but if I was shopping for shoes and I wasn't really happy in my other life, my real life, it would not, the shoes wouldn't matter. That said, I love a gorgeous pair of shoes and they do make me happy. Sounds true to me. Sounds real, this idea of integration, just embracing all parts of ourselves, the deeper and also the shallow ones, which they are not shallow, really. They're just part of life, everything, the dark and the light. I love how you put them together. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I do feel like during COVID, 
a lot of that fell away. Like I really do love, you know, shopping and my closets are just so beautiful, but I, it all fell away because I really didn't have anywhere to wear them. I mean, I do dress up occasionally around my house, but I, um, and it was okay. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like life is so beautiful without any of that. And that's, uh, you know, that's a beautiful discovery to make. I guess things have to burn to the ground yeah, over yeah. and over again because that's the nature of life. We love, we lose, we love, we lose. And in the end, as long as when everything's gone, you're still joyful, I guess that's how I would define happiness. What are some of the secrets, per se, about the healing process that we need to know and understand? So when I have been working to heal from all everything I've been through, I mean, there's phases you go through, but I... I read, okay, walking in nature, talking to a friend, you know, moving your body. I read all these things, singing at the top of your lungs. I might have just added that one in, but that does make me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know how to get out of this, but I'm going to try all these things. And they did. They helped. They helped. Um, you know, I walked in nature and at first, I mean, I, I just, yeah. I mean, nature has so much to teach us, being in the woods, being on the beach, and just being quiet and being sitting in a tree. I mean, find a tree in your park, local park and sit in it. I mean, there's just so much beauty right there. True. And life lessons. So healing to me is, I mean, those are the steps to healing. For me, healing is also trying to heal and joy. So, you know, it's easy to surrender into like bitterness and why me? And I cannot believe this terrible hmm. things happened to me. True. What's, you know, and to push all that aside and just really stay in your lane and focus on, mm -mm, I'm staying in the magic. I'm staying in love. I'm staying in abundance, light, laughter. That's who I am. That's what I do. What other people do, that my feelings of loss of the people I love, it's all okay, but I'm not going to be part of anything toxic. I'm just going to stay in my beautiful lane. I'm wondering if this is, um, for you, it is a practice or it has become a knowing it is both. I always have been a very joyful person and I always have been a person who followed what I was true to myself. That's never been a struggle for me. So I definitely knew, but I can tell you I have been thrown for a loop the last few years with everything that happened. And so it became a practice back into a knowing. It was a long, long road of, and I mean, I still feel like I'm, I'm coming out of the grieving or maybe I just will always be in it. That's probably more likely. And this is another topic that I often talk here, grief. Talk to me for a moment about that, Marcy. How is it different from stress and trauma? Grief to me is a set-apart place. So to me, I feel like I should be wearing a big feather on my head and that informs everyone that I am a grieving person. <laughs> I mean, in the olden days, they wore morning clothes or morning yeah. jewelry, and I'm not a huge fan of black. But just I had a hard time socializing at the beginning of our talk, you were saying you didn't like small talk. I just found it impossible. I could not carry on a conversation because I was so subsumed in my loss. And to me, grieving is, I read a Native American like quote about it saying, you are in a separate place because you are on that giant cliff with the abyss of mortality and you know it's there and you are looking right at it. So you are in a different place than the rest of people who want to pretend like that's not there. <laughs> I mean, it's there whether we want it to be or not. But grieving, I feel like if you can take it in, accept its sacred place in your heart and 
and give it words. It is, um, I mean, everybody's grieving in some way because we're always losing the things and people we love. You wrote the book, Divorce Diva, Navigating Grief and Loss with Hope, Humor, and Chutzpah, I think it pronounces. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how did you become a writer and what was the uh, purpose of writing this book? Ooh, I had to write. That was all I could think of to do. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm putting pen to paper. And interestingly, I just moved and I my journals and that I've kept since I was eight years old, my photo albums, they all had been in boxes for over 20 years. And I finally have an office. So I was pulling them all out onto shelves. And you literally could open any one of those from the age of 14 to 18 to 25. And it says almost the exact same thing. <laughs> I'm writing. I can't stop writing. I mean, I have always loved to write. It's just my way of, it's like belly dance is my axis mundi, my connection between heaven and earth. So is writing. It's really like a place where I can just, let it all out, you know, filter. I can channel my grief. I can transform it. I can spin it. I can make it beautiful and golden. I can let it be, you know, hard and biting. I can let it be everything that it needs to be. Keep it, burn it, whatever. But the act of writing, it sorts out my thoughts. I mean, I just can't even say enough about how it has helped me walk through all the grief. And I think it actually, even people who are not writers, and I would consider myself a writer, <clears throat> I think it transforms for them as well. Because I believe humans are made of stories. And when we tell our stories and we get to write our stories, that's the really cool part. They don't just happen to us. We get to create them. So our stories are what we pass on, our legacy, our, how it informs how we live our lives. So I wrote Divorce Diva. I actually teach a writing workshop, um, just started Monday, for women to come and talk, to write your story. I said, if you you know, we're on your deathbed and your granddaughter came to you and wanted to know your story. What do you want your story to be? Do you want, what do you want to tell them? That's what we're going to write. And, um, and I've given them a lot of reading assignments and support and ways to inspire them, keep them motivated and encourage them to, you know, step into being bold, putting it out there. It's always scary when you put anything out there, something you created is very vulnerable. Um, for divorce diva, Oh, I just started writing and people really started responding. Turns out everybody's grieving. It turns out everybody was grieving and people really resonated with what I was putting out there. And I wrote it because I wished that I'd had that book. When my divorce first started, it was so painful and I didn't know how to handle it. I knew a lot of people who had been divorced, but they acted so normal. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how are you acting normal? How did you get to that place? <laughs> and I invited every divorced woman I know to my house and I asked them, how did you get there? And they really didn't have any good answers, except that enough time had passed that they weren't just walking around doubled over in pain. So I thought if I could have gone and bought a book on Amazon about somebody who was able to talk about the real, I mean, it is really hard to make divorce funny because there's nothing funny about it. But if I could have, I try and add humor into my, even my hardest stories. And I would have loved to have had a book like that when the whole process started. You actually integrate belly dance in writing, right, Marcy? I do. What a wonderful idea. Talk to me about that. I will tell you why I chose to do that. I was a professional belly dancer all through my 20s. And I literally, this is what I did for my living. And I danced 
for at the birth of babies, for a gazillion weddings. I had the, I called myself the high priestess of sacred moments because I got to sweep in in my costume, raise the energy, and um, you know, get everybody all excited and happy and sparkly. And then I got to leave. I'm like, this is so great. <laughs> yeah. Lesson and like letting go. I belly dancing. I mean, I've danced with people on their deathbeds. I worked, I danced with terminally ill children for 10 years where I went in and taught them to dance. And it just is a place where I feel like time is not there. You know, love is overflowing. I, that's why I call it my access moonday. I'm very grounded and centered in my feet, especially so I love belly dance. I have done all kinds of dance, but, um, I am like just channeling this place where I can touch eternity. I call it. Mm-hmm. It just feels really good in your body. No matter. And like I said, I mean, I have this painful arthritic condition going on right now. So I decided, okay, I want to teach belly dance to heal your hips. And incredibly, I can't walk very well, but I can still dance somehow. So I thought how, because I get in this afterglow and I feel so luscious when I dance, I thought how amazing it would be to be able to touch your soul through dance where you just get rid of everything else, except, you know, getting into your ancient, I feel like it's an ancient body wisdom that you drop into. So you're not fizzing about with, you know, thinking about that and that distraction. And, oh, my God, what did I have for, did I make dinner yet? None of that, it all disappears when you start moving and breathing. And um, there's something specifically luscious and gorgeous about belly dance and moving your hips and those gorgeous ancient shapes. And it just feels really amazing. So I decided to add a journaling component just because it seemed like the right thing to do. And so I teach this with my writing workshop. I teach them, you know, None of them are belly dancers. I was so proud of them all. They showed up at class on Tuesday night. If You know, I just offer it if they want to come. And I just, you know, it's like if you drop out of your head and into your body, that's really where you're in. You drop into love, really. That's funny how we try to uh, separate the body from the mind or the spirit a lot of times. Um, but yeah, the body, it's very wise. Yeah. So Valeria, I can tell you that. So even... In the last few weeks, I have been, okay, how am I transforming? What is the work? What I don't even know what to do. I decided, okay, so I, I teach all this stuff about dancing, and I only do it when I teach twice a week, and I want to do it every single day. So I decided to start showing up for myself every single day, 30 minutes. I time put the timer on my phone and put my phone away. It's just me and my music. Um, I usually play like dead can dance world music and I just breathe and dance and it's just for me nobody else and it is just made a huge difference in my life huge I feel like this is the real transformations happening now because I feel centered I feel grounded I feel really in my body and I'm able to come from a place of centered joy during the day because I've had this 30 minutes with myself of just doing something that makes me feel amazing I love that suggestion, and you made me think about that. <laughs> Reflect here. Yeah, I talk about showing up for yourself every day because I'm saying to myself, you know what, you're worth you're worth that time. And I, you know, I've gone to the gym, and I, it's not my thing. I like it. I love the way I feel after. But for belly dance, I just feel amazing all the way through from the moment I start to swing my hips and breathe. It's just divine. Talk to me for a moment, speaking of the sacred and divine. I know that belly dance was present in ancient times. So talk to me for a moment about the history of belly dance. 
So they call it the oldest art form, and belly dance scholars have gone to Morocco and rural North Africa, and they have found it. The, the consensus is that it was a childbirth dance um, done by women for women. They still do it to this day in rural parts of North Africa when they are helping women birth. All the women gather and they belly dance around um, the birthing mother. And then after the woman gives birth, then they, because, I mean, obviously the belly rolls and undulations emulate birth, but they also emulate the ocean and so many other things in nature. Oh, God, I didn't even think of this. And honestly, so much of belly dance is the infinity symbol. So you're making a figure eight with your body, with your hips, with your heart. And so, of course, it makes sense that you would be touching eternity when you belly dance. (laughs) But the history is that it was a childbirth dance. Um, And people misconstrue it. It's certainly common in America. When I first started belly dancing professionally, I would dance at these Moroccan restaurants where the clientele was American. And they have a very different view of belly dance than because it's not part of the general culture as opposed to dancing, you know, in Lebanese or Armenian or Arabic, where it's very much a part of their culture and they do it from the time they're children. But it's not, even though it feels really sensual and gorgeous and, you know, certainly could be an ancient fertility dance. Um, it was never, I don't, I mean, I don't view it as, as a, you know, a sexy dance. I mean, I guess it depends on who's doing it. <laughs> I mean, Shakira is amazing and she's definitely super sexy, but she's yeah, sexy yeah. if she's not belly dancing. But to me, it's not that. It's something much bigger and deeper and more expansive. I love the way you embrace everything, but you, you are aware of what feels sacred and divine and free and what doesn't. We know. I actually teach on the goddess like sisterhood and it's all women. And so it feels really, people can be really, feel really safe and good to experiment and try it if they've never done it before and not feel like um, they're doing it for a male gaze, which is fine if you want to do that for a male gaze. But as far as class is concerned, it is all women and it's, you know, it just allows a, a really beautiful environment. Belly dance for children. Do you also teach them? I do. And I have, and I literally have 75 year olds in my class and I have children. I taught Persian families, their little children in Beverly Hills for many years. Um, I, there's very, I actually teach a multicultural dance. So it's a mix of Persian folk dance, you know, ballet, African dance, belly dance. Kids are a blast to teach because they're very not self-conscious. So they're actually really good at shimmying and things <laughs> that can be harder for grown-ups. <laughs> you know, I love storytelling. So I love teaching them the hand movements by acting like we're mermaids or, you know, being like cats in the jungle for shimmies or, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, when I taught terminally ill children, that was a different thing it was a that was a mix of all different kinds of dance from musical theater to I mean just the music and dancing was was really healing for them and certainly transformative to me because those kids were just amazing and they were all ages and they had different levels of mobility and some couldn't move but they still loved the music and you know and hand movements and just seeing people I mean I just went and saw my mother in her, she's in memory care with strong dementia. I'm not sure she even knew who I was in Utah last week. And what did I do for her? I danced. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and she thought I was hilarious. She yeah. laughed and laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was my way of reaching her beyond words, mm. beyond her memory. It was my way of like touching her and hugging her and making her laugh, regardless of what her brain is doing. Right. 
Right, because you can still access yeah that place that is not connected with the the body itself in a sense of suffering. Yeah, it's transcending that. So um, I have a few more questions, but before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? I don't want to go over time, so you want me just to read a couple of paragraphs? Yes, please. Yeah, you can read Yeah, whatever comes to mind or whatever you want to read. Yes. I'll just read a little bit of, I have found the paradox that if I love until it hurts, then there is no more hurt, only more love. And that is Mother Teresa's quote. So I've seen things during my time that there are no words for. And now at the age of 50, when the amount of loss and trauma in my life is staggering and seems too heavy to bear, guess what makes it lighter? Guess what takes away the sting of betrayal, the stunning pain, the sad and heavy heart? Serving children. I just completed my training to become a wish fairy for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and I'm over the moon excited to begin granting wishes. Anyone who knows me knows I love children and fairies and granting wishes, so this is a perfect fit for me. And I found over and over again in my life, nothing soothes the soul and heals the heart like service work. Humility, compassion, care throughout my life. My volunteer work has always been my form of church. Holding a child with AIDS was my sacred work. When I touched their faces, I felt like I was touching the face of God or grace or whatever you want to call that boundless, unconditional, expansive love. Through my work, I found that surrounding a soul with love and care had the unknown side effect of surrounding my own soul with boundless love. How tricky is that? Yeah. You would think it would be draining or depleting to go to a shelter to work with sick or homeless children. But the secret is, it's actually fulfilling beyond your wildest dreams to hold those children in your arms. Plus, it's a weekly slap in the face that puts your own life into perspective really fast. So when it seems like this shit is hitting the fan, as they say, and it seems my life is falling apart with loss and deep soul trauma, it is time to ramp up the compassion and service and let the sacred moments work their magic. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? That's, I'm not sure about myself, but I can say the hardest lesson that I keep having to learn over and over and yeah, over again yeah. is letting go. Mm-hmm. And knowing that no matter how deeply and profoundly I love someone, they will stay as long as they're going to stay. And then they're gone. However that is, you know, whether it's a child growing up or a lover leaving or, you know, someone dying, it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah, that is, um, it is a hard, one of the hardest lessons for all of us to learn. We can all, we can all relate to that for sure. And three more questions. What is another word for healing? Um, I would say awakening. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Oh, I would keep my kids home from school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I would keep my kids home from school and I would want to gather my family to me, my sister's. And the last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Ooh, tricky one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know life is sad. I know life is beautiful. And I know life is 
hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes sense and doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> and I love your wisdom. I love the way you choose to perceive life <laughs> with light and laughter. I love what you do, the way you do it. Um, I love your beauty. Thank you so much, Marcy. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to be in your presence. <laughs> Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Thank you. Uh, I have a website, marcydarling.com. I'll tell you everything, everything I'm teaching, everything I'm writing, um, everything I'm doing. So I'll have that posted on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Take care. You Bye-bye. too. Bye for now, Marcy. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Marcy Darling and her work, please visit marcydarling.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>